Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hey everyone. So in today's episode, you are going to hear from the lovely Alana, who is another one of my amazing past clients. And for some context, Alana and I actually worked together in the postpartum period. So her bub was about six months old when we were working together and she was really struggling with feeling very chaotic around her eating patterns, didn't feel confident in her food choices, especially knowing that she potentially had underlying insulin resistance and a higher risk of those things like type 2 diabetes and chronic disease. And she was also thinking about another baby in the future. So she just really wanted to make sure she was ticking all of the boxes nutritionally. And that's something I want to talk a whole lot more about in the future is that postpartum period where I know a lot of you can feel really lost. I actually get quite a lot of DMs on Instagram about that because it's like, yeah, you you really think about your nutrition whilst you're pregnant and you have gestational diabetes. But what happens next when it can feel like all the support is dropped as well. You know, you don't have all of those appointments at the hospital and things like that. And you have all of these people saying, well, you're at higher risk, so you better sort that out. And you're just a bit like, well, what do I do? Because life can also feel very scattered once you do have a newborn in the house and potentially more kids as well that are making it even more difficult to make those more nutritious food choices a lot of the time. So That's not something we talk about in this episode, because in this episode, I really wanted to talk to Alana about her pregnancy, where she did have gestational diabetes and her birth story, because I know that you all love hearing about that. But maybe I'll get her back on in the future and we can really dig a little bit more into what happened when we were working together. And let me know if you do want to hear more about what to do after Bub has into the world and what you should do about your nutrition then, because I will certainly gear some more content and podcast episodes and resources and things like that towards that. If that is something that you are struggling with and would like more information and support with. So do let me know. The best way to let me know is probably on Instagram. You can send me a DM. My Um, handle is at nutrition.by.helena. You can also email me if you like. I'm hello at nutritionbyhelena.com. So anyway, let's get into this episode. So enjoy it. Um, Sit back, enjoy. That's all I need to say. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Alana. It is so nice to have you on here and thank you so much for coming on to share your pregnancy and your birth story. I know that the listeners really enjoy these episodes, so can't thank you enough. And I'm so excited to hear everything. I don't really know anything about this part of the story. Um, And for everybody listening, Alana was one of my clients and we actually worked together in the postpartum period, so not during her gestational diabetes journey. But we are going to talk about her pregnancy and her birth. So this is new for all of us and really exciting to get to hear it. So do you want to tell everybody who you are, where you live, who's in your family um, and let us get to know you? You know, thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited. Um, So I'm Alana. I have a seventh-month-old little boy, little Spencer, and um, I live in Victoria, Mudra, Victoria. Um, And my partner, Josh, um, he's a handyman around here. So, yeah, we're pretty good here. (laughs) Beautiful. And let's rewind all the way back to your initial like fertility journey. So did you have any difficulties with conception? Was your pregnancy planned? Like what was um what was going on at that time when you did conceive Spencer? Um so he was actually a surprise, an amazing surprise for us. Um, so didn't really I suppose didn't have any troubles. We weren't really trying at the time. So um yeah. <laughs> and how did you feel when you found out or how did you actually find out? Um, So I actually brought a pregnancy test. I went and got one of the digital ones that tells you how many weeks. I'm not 100% sure why my period, I think it was a week until my period was due. So it was a bit early and I just decided, oh, I'll just try just in case because I knew there was a chance. And um, 
I remember it beeped like it showed pregnant, but then I mean, almost instantly just came up pregnant. And then on the side, it was still beeping. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm not pregnant. It's still thinking about it. It's all good. But it was actually just thinking about how many weeks I was and I'd completely forgotten. And then it came up with quarter, no, three to four weeks. And I was like, oh, no, surely not. And yeah, so it was amazing. And I, um, I remember calling a friend going, um, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> and she was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and it was really exciting though. I couldn't be happier. And I booked in a doctor's appointment because at the same time I was like, oh, until I get a blood test back, I'm going to wait because I know that they can be incorrect sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so tell me actually, so did you have any um, symptoms or signs or some inkling that you were pregnant that made you take that test? Um, no, I didn't actually have any symptoms. I was, yeah, nothing. I don't know why. I kind of, I think it was just because I had, I knew I had a chance. And then I don't know, in my head, I was like, no, it's going to be negative. I don't need to worry. It's all good. And then when it came back positive, it was just, yeah, a massive surprise. Oh, wow. And you were alone, it sounds like, when you did find out and you just called your friend straight away. It's, yeah, it would just be um, such a shock to the system, but that you, you took it positively, which is always nice. And how did you tell your partner? Um, so I actually kept it a secret from him until I found, until I got the blood test because I was like, yeah. oh, I don't want to tell you and then have it not be anything. So I went to the doctors, I got the blood test done. And then when it was all confirmed, I was like, so, and I pretty much just was like, hey, um, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> And, and did he take that okay? Because obviously if you two weren't trying, like I know that, you know, that might be something really stressful for both of you to have needed to work through. So how how did he take it? No, he was amazed. He was so happy about it. He was very excited about being a dad. That's gorgeous. I'm, I'm so excited for you as well. It just would have been such a magical time to to have a surprise and to be able to take it in so positively and feel really excited about the news. It's so exciting for you. And and then when you were pregnant, did you experience symptoms? Did you have um, any challenges? What was it like? Um, so I was pretty lucky. I only got morning sickness if I um, brushed my teeth wrong. I had to use hot water on my toothbrush and it was only if I, I suppose, brushed back really far. So it was a bit hard to <laughs> brush my teeth at the start. But um, I think I was sick maybe five or seven times, like really minor um, oh, that's so fortunate. Yeah, I I found it really easy. And so I was working in hospitality at the time. So I suppose the only challenge is where sometimes I get a bit of a wave of, oh, I'm carrying a coffee and I may need to quickly put this down and run. But um, I was, yeah, pretty fortunate with that. Mm. And so if you weren't actually vomiting, did you have nausea or anything like that? Occasionally, but I actually, because I was waiting because everyone said, oh, smells will change. They will affect you. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. But nothing happened. I didn't mm-hmm. find anything smell weird. Nothing really put me off. And so I felt a bit let down in that sense. Yeah, yeah you kind of missed out. Did you have cravings or anything? No, I didn't crave anything. Not at all. Gosh. How lucky are you? And then throughout the rest of the pregnancy, did you get um, anything like pelvic pain or any other sorts of problems? Yes, towards the end of it. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but certain times when you move and you just feel this sharp pain, like almost like a contraction, but it wasn't. Um, Yeah, I can't think of what it was called though. And they were quite painful. I had It stopped me in my tracks and I had to sort of just take a breath and then I was good again. Oh, gosh. How long did that go for? Um, it, honestly, uh, they last like three seconds, if that, and then it probably happened maybe three times a week, just randomly, depending on how I moved. That's quite a lot. That's that's tough. And I suppose like in general, how did you find being pregnant? Um, mostly just super, super excited. I loved my bump. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just was like, haha, good bump. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. And I know in your story that you did have gestational diabetes. So talk me through that process of being diagnosed and doing the test and how you went about managing that? Yeah, so I was, um, it was 27 weeks when I went in to get my test done and um, I found it pretty easy. I didn't mind the flavour of the drink, like it wasn't anything delicious, but 
I didn't feel sick from it. I know some people, unfortunately, like it does affect them. But um, if anything, I kind of just got bored in the waiting room because I had to have so, so many tests and so many needles. I think it's like three blood tests that you yeah. get. So yeah. that was a bit painful because I have very small veins, which, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I actually missed my appointment. I had full baby brain and they called me and they're like, oh, you've missed your appointment. And I'm like, what? I, my appointment's tomorrow. And they're like, no, 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 it was today. And I was like, oh. And then the lady was like, I hate to tell you this over the phone, but you do have gestational diabetes. And I remember just being shocked. I was like, surely not. And um, yeah, I was, but I was only, I was over by 0.2 with my first blood read, my first blood test. Everything else was normal. And she's like, you've just scraped in, but you do unfortunately have to come in and you have to see the diabetes educator. So I went in the following week and I met with a doctor, my midwife and the educator. Mm -hmm. That's quite a long gap um, between finding out and then having your appointment. Hey, I feel it. And that's, that's common. That's what I'm hearing a lot, that there is quite a gap. But how did you find sort of the waiting time? Um, I was just nervous about what I should and shouldn't be eating. I found that really difficult. I was like, oh, I kind of cut sugar out completely and I was like veggies and all that sort of stuff. I really was super, super unsure of what to do. And sadly, the educators are only available on Wednesdays, so you have to wait for Wednesdays to rock around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually, that leads me to another point that I should have asked before. Were you in the public or the private system? Uh, the public system. Public system. Okay. Um and as well, like, so once you had that diagnosis, you said that you were pretty shocked about it. Were you really already paying any attention or have any level of knowledge or awareness about your nutrition or fitness or anything like that beforehand? So um, with fitness, I was seeing my um, PT. I always went to Jaden once a week. And since I was in hospitality, walking around for a good part of the day, so I suppose fitness-wise, I was still doing a bit. Um, nutrition, I just thought I wasn't, I suppose, binge eating chocolates or anything like that. I was trying to stick to a reasonable diet, like, you know, still pastas and veggies and meat, most of that, but I still would, like, have ice cream here and there. And, mm. yeah, so not as – um, not as, I didn't stick to any sort of plan, I suppose. I was just trying to be – I knew certain things that I wasn't supposed to be eating, like, certain fish I got told to avoid the deli basically mm-hmm. like that was the no-go zone but um yeah not overly restrictive mm-hmm. and I, I suppose I don't even mean restrictive I just mean like did you have any awareness around like what sort of different foods are like what carbs are what proteins are all of that kind of stuff or was that all quite new to you that you needed to learn once you'd been diagnosed with GD um, definitely needed to learn more. I had a basic understanding, but nothing in mm-hmm. depth. Sure. And then what was the education like that you received? Um, honestly, I found it pretty basic. I got told to almost stick to a gluten-free diet, um, to avoid lots yeah. of things. I got given a list. I remember I was given a piece of paper with things I should and shouldn't eat and um, what my blood sugars should be. Um, how to, I suppose, prick my finger and do everything like that. But um, I didn't find it overly helpful. I was still quite confused. They didn't exactly, they didn't tell me, um, I suppose, how my sugars were affected, why, what was happening in my body and all of those sort of bits and pieces, which would have been helpful. Yeah, that's a shame that you didn't really get that kind of um, in-depth education, it sounds like. And so, how did you go about managing things when you didn't feel like you had very much knowledge about it what did you do and so sort of at the start I just tried to stick to their list and ate what they said I could and couldn't eat and then um, I remember because the morning fasting blood sugars I think I had two of them in one week that were just a bit high and so I went in for my appointment no I didn't actually yeah I went in for my appointment and um, she told me that it could be if I didn't keep that under wraps, my placenta could become, my baby's placenta could become corrosive and really yucky. And I had no knowledge of this. I didn't realize it could affect the placenta. And that just scared the crap out of me. I was like, oh, okay, that would have been really handy to know earlier on. 
And then um, I knew a naturopath, I knew Demi, a naturopath, and I, I trusted her and I really liked her and I messaged her and asked if she knew anything that could be helpful. And um, she explained to me when I went in to see her, she actually drew me a diagram and explained how the sugars worked, how they, mm. how insulin unlocks this and allows the sugars to go in and this to happen. And so that was really, really good because then at least I knew sort of what was happening and I found that education quite helpful. And then food-wise, I sort of just figured out what made my sugars work and what didn't. So I pretty much just stuck to meat and veggies a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful that you did find somebody that could explain those concepts to you. I'm sure that made a really big difference in at least just your confidence levels in being able to go about things because it can just feel so isolating, right? When you don't know really, well, you you feel like you haven't got the information that you needed. So I'm really glad that you did seek extra support. And I think that that's such an important part of it for everybody. Um and did you end up needing to take medication or insulin or anything? Uh, no, I was lucky and able to diet control. Oh, fantastic. And were there any particular challenges that you found? Um, I found that it got, I suppose, boring. I got sick of eating yeah. the same things over and over again. And um, one of my friends, actually, she had gestational diabetes and she'd already had her little boy. And she gave me some things like, oh, you can have this or try these. So that was good. But she pretty much said the same thing. She's like, it's so bland and so boring, but you've just got to do it. Oh, that's such a shame because I wish that um, I wish that you'd found me whilst you were pregnant because I feel like my take on gestational diabetes is that all foods can fit really, you know, within reason, but there's a little bit of leeway there. It doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be just protein and vegetables like you described. And like, you know, I think everybody, you do what works for you, but you can absolutely get more variety and more excitement into your diet. There's definitely ways to do that. And we don't want to take a really restrictive approach in feeling like you need to cut out carbs and things like that. So, I think it's it's such a shame that you and your friend were feeling like that. And but it's, you know, when you don't have a great deal of support around you, of course you do what you have with the information that you've been given. And a shame that, yeah, there wasn't that level of support for you. But I'm sure that potentially being in the public system in a like a regional or rural area in Victoria probably played a part in that, which is um must have been hard. Must have been hard not feeling like there was really someone to go to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, definitely. Honestly, the most common thing I got told was if I didn't eat properly or keep my sugars under, I'd have a huge baby and then I'd most likely have to have a cesarean and that was just scary. So, Oh, my gosh. That must have really played on your mind because I I just don't think there's much benefit in fear-mongering around that kind of stuff because, yes, there's risks for everybody listening. Like, yes, there are risks, but if you're able to keep your blood sugar well-managed, we can really minimise those risks. And it's I just don't feel like it's a very helpful or productive conversation to be coming from that place of of fear because there's so many positives to be gained from having GD, I would say, as well, in terms of being able to make some really long-lasting, healthy changes to your diet and your lifestyle. And tell me, have you maintained some of the changes that you might have made during your GD journey? Did you find that there were things that were benefiting you at the time? Um, I suppose not eating so many soul foods now, as I call them. <laughs> um, I suppose um, not really. I suppose after being with you for those six weeks, I definitely have ma- made some very, very healthy habits now and um, continually being constant with my um, I suppose diet. That's been really good. But from pregnancy, not so much because it just felt super restrictive and controlled. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, and, th- and that makes sense. Sorry, I feel like I probably asked. I did a bit of a dodgy question there in terms of (laughs) you weren't loving your gestational diabetes diet and maybe that wasn't actually like a particularly healthy time in your life. I'm actually glad that you haven't kept up some of those habits because there's, there's no need really ever to be in a restrictive mindset or place with your diet. And I'm very glad that we have worked together since your pregnancy to be able to instill those healthy habits. And I think, um, I want to ask you this before we move on to your birth. So 
What are the best tips that you would give somebody else going through their gestational diabetes journey? Um, Well, now that I've worked with you, I would definitely recommend working with a professional, someone who can guide you and help you and support you through the entire experience. But also, I suppose, thinking of it like a superpower, make it something that's empowering, something that you do have control over. And if you have to take insulin or any medications, that's okay. We're really lucky to have that. But yeah, just think of it like your superpower. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. What a beautiful way to put it because you're right. I think that, you know, one of, like I was saying before, it's one of those beautiful silver linings of GD that you do have this magic opportunity to be able to make changes that are going to benefit you and your family in the longer term. And I, that's really cool to think of it as like a superpower and you get to have more um data and intel on what's actually going on in your body as well. And it's a bit of a a warning sign, I always like to say too, for anything else that might be showing up later in life for whatever reason, whether you have risk factors or not. But generally, pregnancy is a time when anything that was maybe going to come out will come out then. It's like the ultimate stress test for your body. So being able to take it as a positive opportunity to start making changes that can reduce your risk of having longer-term health um, conditions, that's so positive. That's really cool. So I love that. Thank you. And let's let's talk about birth. So did you have a birth plan? Like were you having conversations with your team about your birthing options beforehand? Yes. Yeah, so I loved my birth plan. I found a lady called the Naked Doula and I found her very empowering. And she on Canva, she had this um, free program where you could make your birth plan and she had pictures and it was super colorful, super fun. You could type all this stuff in so that your care providers knew what you wanted because I knew if I had to have a cesarean, I wanted it all written down there. If I had to have an induction, I wanted to feel in control of whatever had to happen. So um, I had them all planned out. Oh, I absolutely love that too. And uh, that sounds like it's such a difference um, when you do have support for whatever it is, but that you just actually felt really empowered going into birth. That's cool. And so what were you hoping for? What were you hoping for your birth to look like? I was hoping I would just, my water's, I kind of thought a movie birth. I'm like, my waters will break. It'll be amazing. <laughs> It'll be this awesome experience. But um, I was really just hoping for my waters to break, it to be as natural as possible. I really didn't want to use any medications. I was hoping just to breathe through it um, and then just to deliver a healthy, happy baby. And did your care team have any policies around GD that were placing restrictions on your ideal birth? Uh, so I had been tentatively booked in for an induction and I suppose that was my biggest fear. I would rather a cesarean over an induction. I just heard so much about it and I was so scared. But um, since I, I was lucky, my midwife was really supportive and she said to me, she's like, well, since you've been able to diet control and your sugars have stayed really well, I don't see why you can't continue to at least 41 weeks and see how you go. Because I knew scans weren't 100% accurate and my scans were saying my baby was a bit big, but I was like, oh, that can be so incorrect. So I didn't want to take it mm-hmm. as everything. And my cousin's also a midwife as well. And I told her about it and she was like, yes, I think you can, you know, just to get a second opinion. I think she's like, I think you can go to 41 weeks without being too concerned. So I was going to say no to the induction, but I was lucky that I did give birth before said induction was supposed to happen okay so it sounds like as well um there was maybe a you tell me if this is right or not but there was maybe a dynamic in your team where you were also getting some mixed messages potentially which must have been a little bit tricky too yeah I um I was lucky to have the same midwife through my entire experience Brooke was amazing I didn't have her in my birth which was sad but I knew that so I was prepared but um I had different doctors every single time and I hated seeing the doctors because I just felt like you were a number, you were in there, they said this, this and that. They didn't really ask you questions that or care sort of what you had to say. So I found that really scary and intimidating just for being a first-time mum and sort of not as knowledgeable as I could have been. But, um, yeah, no, yeah, it was a bit difficult with bits and pieces like that. 
I'm so sorry that you felt like that. Like it, it just sounds, I'm trying not to lead you too much with what I'm um, saying, but it sounds like you didn't feel like you were overly informed. Like you didn't have those sorts of open discussions with your doctors, at least you did with your midwives, but perhaps like it wasn't really outlined to you what the risks were, like what the options were and the pros and cons of your different options. Like, did you have any discussions like that? No. So there was, um, I remember if you wanted to, you were able to go into the hospital. This was just for everybody. You didn't have to have GD for this. And they'd explain like what drugs you could take, what um, different, the hospital policies and everything like that, which was amazing. It was good to know all of that information. But Mm -hmm. as for the doctors just saying, hey, well, like sitting down with me, what would, what's your ideal birth plan? What would you like? Um, There was none of that because none of the doctors that I spoke to were actually with me when I was giving birth it was like a whole different team and they were incredible they were a whole different situation it's yeah it's interesting it's just really interesting how different um different care teams all operate but it does sound like you had a nice support system in terms of having your doula and midwives and so that's that's really helpful it sounds like it really must have helped your mindset in knowing a little bit more about what you were going into so what um what happened Tell us. Um, so I actually went out. We went, my partner and I went on a double date with one of my closest friends until we went out for dinner. And then that night, so it would have been the 7th, and it was at 11.30 p- yeah, p.m. Um, I had been feeling a bit, a few pains and stuff, but I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. And then I sort of, I rolled over and then I just felt a gush and all this water or liquid just flushed out. And I was like, <gasps> Ew, and it just mm. went everywhere. I couldn't believe how much fluid there are. Oh, no one ever told me that. And then <laughs> I remember just laying in bed, like, I'm ruining this bed right now, but I did not want to move. I was so shocked. And so I ended up hopping out and changing because, yes, fluids just continued to come out. And I called. I called my mom and I was like, mom, you have to come. Things have started because I was um, fortunate enough that I was allowed to have two people with me. So I had Josh and my mother. Yeah. And so she um, came over to Josh's and uh, I also called the hospital just to let them know what had happened. And so I ended up, once my mom had got to our place, I ended up going in for an assessment and um, I was there for about an hour and they were just checking bits and pieces. Um, they checked baby's heart rate. They checked my contractions, my blood pressure, mm-hmm. and I pretty much just chilled there for, an, I think it was about an hour. And I remember, because with all the fluids, there can be a bit of blood, and I got really nervous because they were like, oh, if there's any blood, just let us know. And mm-hmm. so they give you like these insane pads <laughs> to soak mm-hmm. everything up. <laughs> and um, But the blood was completely normal. It was just like little bits, nothing to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. And they just told me, that my contractions were still really minor at the moment. So just to go home, get as much rest as possible. And when things start to amp up to give them another call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I had a TENS machine. I ended up hating it. I don't think it helped me at all. And I was surprised because everyone seems to love them. But as soon as I, I remember putting up the monitor just to help with boost the intensity of the contractions, but um. It just, yeah, made me grumpy. So I ended up taking it off after about three hours of use. And my contractions, I remember feeling like they were coming back in and I was on this, on one of those, um, oh, um, what are the big balls called? Those massive Yeah, balls. like one of those medicine ball thingos, yeah. Swiss balls. I don't know. We know <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So I had been, I'm just like trying to gently sway and bounce on that. And David Attenborough, I don't know why, but I was like, his voice is the true thing. And he was always part of my plan. I told Josh, I'm like, we have to have David Attenborough on. <laughs> like, that'll, that'll help. And I was watching David Attenborough, trying to get comfortable, trying to just chill in and find my zone. And it didn't work. So I ended up laying in bed and trying to get some sleep. But I just couldn't get comfy. I couldn't lay on my back to save myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I didn't really eat. I remember drinking water, but never hungry. And then I went back into hospital and I, oh, the car rides, they were the worst. I, mm. oh, I don't know why you just, you wanted to stand up and go on an angle, but obviously you can't <laughs> and you've got to be seat belted in as well. And 
yeah, they just weren't a great experience. And we probably live oh, 10 minutes from the hospital, 10, yeah, about 10 minutes. It's not too far. like a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. And then sort of I was lucky I was still able to walk. I didn't really have to waddle because I was, I went into labor at 38, 38 weeks in a day. Yeah. And um, went back in and then they got me into a birthing suite and I, I loved my birthing suite. It was a beautiful room, big, pretty room. I was surprised mm. by it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just, yeah, chilled for a bit, tried to breathe through. They, I think I was really nervous because I was, I was like, oh, my contractions, um, are they, I suppose, close enough, are they severe enough to be in at the, this time? And I felt like they were, but still I had no idea what to expect. Mm. And then I ended up being there and they came down. So they got further apart, almost where didn't feel like they were even there anymore. And so they gave me some medication to help me sleep, just to take a bit of the pain away and help me sleep. And they're like, you can go back home, just relax at home. It's all good. And I was like, okay, cool. Getting the car ride, but I was like, yep, that'll be fine. So I went back home and I did have maybe a two hour nap, two or three hours possibly. And then I just remember waking up and going, no, this hurts. I want to go back. And so we went back to hospital and I stayed. They were like, oh, yep, you're pretty good. Are you sure you want to be here? And I'm like, yes, I'm staying. I'm not going again. I'm nesting. <laughs> this is my spot. And, uh, yeah, so I stayed. I remember every position I got into because I'm like, oh, hop on the bed, see if you can get comfy. But every new position, it was almost like a contraction just went wham and it was so painful to move. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. And I ended up being my most comfortable leaning over a medicine ball on a mat. But mm-hmm. knee pads, oh, my goodness, knee pads were needed <laughs> when he's got so sore. But, um, yeah, no, um, so I just went through a bit more. But um, then I didn't want to have a vaginal exam. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be disheartened if mm-hmm. it's not far enough along because I felt like I'd, this is probably 10, 12 hours. felt like yeah. it'd been forever. And then um, I ended up having one, though. I was like, no, I want to have one just in case. And she did one, but I didn't want to know the number. I was like, if I know the number, it'll make me sad if it's not high enough. And I had guessed it was three to five centimetres. Mm-hmm. Turned out it was three centimetres. I found out after I gave birth what it was. So it was pretty much just a lot of breathing. But I did have a big meltdown. I had a massive cry. I was like, mm-hmm. this is not fair. And that was probably my turning point. I had the biggest cry. And this midwife that I was scared of came in. Mum had gotten hurt. And I'm like, no. But she was honestly just an amazing, strong person. And she just calmed me back down. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I suppose then I think I went through about seven, no, six midwives. And I had finally gotten to Katie. And she was my midwife for the night. And I was like, yay, my one midwife. Like, this is going to happen. I'm going to give birth soon. Like, it's going to happen. And then it still was took forever and it was in pain, like constant contractions, and it just hurt. Leaning over the ball was great, but then my knees were hurting, so I wanted to walk around, but that was just painful. I remember Josh's hand. I think I bruised his hand. I nearly, mm-hmm. yeah, hit poor him. But um, my mum recommended a shower. And so mm-hmm. I thought I had had like a three-minute shower, but I'd been in there for half an hour. And then when I came back out from there, I felt different. And I remember after giving birth, Katie had said, she's like, no, I could tell when you came out of the shower, things were going to happen. <laughs> so um, I got back down over the medicine, over the big um, medicine ball. And yeah, I was like, I, I'm like, I think something's happening. It, I don't know. It's so hard to explain what it feels like when it starts, mm-hmm. but I think your body just knows because it's true. You start making like animal noises <laughs> that <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> And um, Katie, she was amazing. She's just like, instead of, you know, because I was like roaring and she's like, try not to do that and try just to breathe through it, like use that, but internally push it down if you can. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, she um, just coached me through the entire process. And then, so I was in labor for 26 hours, but I was, wow. in, <laughs> but I was in active labor for one hour. I thought I'd pushed my little boy out in like 10 minutes I was like oh where's my trophy it's been 10 minutes <laughs> and my mum was like um it took you an hour to push him out and I was like oh okay oh, gosh. But, um 
Yeah, no, once we got to where I could push, I was so excited because I'm like, oh, I have control of this. I can push. Yes, I can mm. do this. And I couldn't wait. And then I felt his head pop out. And as soon as I felt that, it sent my whole body into like <gasps> complete shock. Cause I'm like, oh, ew, I can feel <laughs> something. And it was just, it was just weird. And then that messed up my next contraction though. So Katie was like, just breathe. It's okay. And then I found out later that his head was there for four minutes, which wasn't ideal, but it was all right. And the cord was around his neck, but he was okay. And then, yeah, his shoulder had gotten a bit stuck. So pushed him out though. And it was a bit scary because I wanted to keep him connected, like with the cord, keep that all connected for like a good 10, half an hour, however long I could. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't breathing properly when he was pushed Mm -hmm. out because he'd been there for so long. And so she had to quickly cut the mm-hmm. um, umbilical, umbilical cord and um, she raced him over just to make sure that he was okay and he was perfectly all right. Like his breathing was fine after a few seconds and it was all good. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, oh, we're a little person. And I didn't know mm-hmm. if it was a girl or a boy. I had never found out. I wanted it to be a secret. And I was so happy. I suppose in the end it was a little boy. And I was lucky because I had no no girl names at all. I had my boy name picked, but I was I couldn't think of a girl name to save myself. <laughs> yes. That's so exciting. I've got so many questions. Like what a whirlwind. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it was such a, a long journey, like it was 26 hours. So what time did you actually give birth? Uh 1.55 a.m. on the night. Yeah. Okay. So really early hours and you must have been at the hospital for that whole previous day, I suppose, if you went in quite early when you were still around three centimeters dilated, not that you knew that, but then quite a lot of just being in labor for a a long time whilst you were at hospital. And had you done any um, preparation courses or anything like that beforehand? Um, so my cousin had done a breathing course and she just sent me all of the information to read over. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose I really, I didn't actually do any course. I did Pilates to help with the breathing and well, it was sort of Pilates mixed with hypnobirthing and that helped me mm-hmm. with breathing. But um, I didn't really do anything. I remember during my labor, I tried the gas and mm-hmm. I hated it. I don't know. I found out later the gas wasn't working properly. That's why it probably wasn't too awesome. But, um, yeah, just breathing through and doing, yeah, I just found breathing and holding on to Josh my best thing. I nearly bit his thumb off, I'm not going to lie. The final active labour part, they all were really concerned apparently because I had bitten his thumb. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. But I didn't remember. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, bless. And, no, that's that's cool. And the breathing really helped you and you did have people there like supporting you through that breath work and things, which is cool. And, um, my next question was going to be whether you'd taken any pain medication at all. So it sounds like you tried the gas that didn't really work. Um, was it, were there any other pain medications on board? Uh, no, I didn't do anything else. I just wow. tried to breathe through it. I remember a saying it was called floppy face, floppy fanny. <laughs> and that's all I did. I'm like, soft face, breathe, soft yeah. face. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> what a mantra. And how about your mum and Josh? How did they find the whole thing? Um, so, yeah. I, it was an experience, definitely. Um, Josh was so unsure of what to do. He's like, I didn't know how to help. He's like, I was trying, he'd rub my back or my mum sort of helped him a bit. She's like, just rub her back, you know, do this, do that. The heat pack, go warm it up, you know, this and that. So it was good, but I found out later and this just moved me so much. They'd both had a cry and I felt so good because they'd both had like an emotional cry. That's so cute. Was it together? Did they have a little bonding moment together or were they separate cries? Uh, they were separate. They were both exhausted and when they'd yeah. gone yeah, back to home, yeah, had yeah. a little cry. Oh, good on them though for, for sticking <laughs> through. It must have been really nice having them both in the room with you and as well, like, did you have any um, requests for how you wanted the room set up? Um, so I thought I wanted music mm-hmm. and that was really my only thing. I, Yeah, I had thought about different pitches or different bits and pieces, but I just said to mum and Josh, just remind me, floppy face, floppy fanny, please don't tell me to breathe because it will make me grumpy. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I in the okay. end, I, yeah, didn't actually have any. Yeah, anything so pretty chill. 
Cool. <laughs> and then, okay, so then after your birth, so Bub had to be taken away quickly to just make sure that breathing was okay and everything. And then were there any other um, complications or anything? Like did you have your blood sugar checked? Did Spence have his blood sugar checked? What was it all like? Um, so I ended up having a minor tear, so I had to get two stitches, but that was all well and good. And then my blood sugar and wasn't checked till the next day. And I don't, well, till that day technically because it was in the morning. Yeah, so um, I just had to get him to feed, so learning how that because I wanted to breastfeed, and so. I think it might have been half an hour after he was born, if that, that um, we did skin to skin as soon as we could. Beautiful. And then, um, yeah, I fed him. And that morning, I'm trying to think about my, I don't even know if my blood sugars were taken. I know Spencer's were. Yeah. But I can't remember. I think they were once taken at least once. But I know Spence got the three heel prick to make sure he was okay over time. And he was fine, completely all good. But, um. I, I think I got checked once or twice and that was, pretty, yeah, pretty much it. With and and then how did you go in terms of establishing breastfeeding? Um, I was lucky. He, he latched perfectly, didn't have a tongue tie, so he was really good with that. Um, I, found, I found it a bit difficult um, <laughs> to, I suppose, manoeuvre your boob a bit around and to push it back so he didn't suffocate. Oh, there was so much I didn't know and Katie was like, so just try this, try that. And I was lucky that she, because um, she was still on afterwards, so her shift hadn't ended. So she kept coming in and popping in and checking on me. But um, once he had latched, he it was good, but um, definitely a weird sensation and you could tell if he hadn't latched properly because it was very painful. Yeah, okay. And so then after that, were you like – once you were discharged from hospital, I guess, um, was breastfeeding an easy process for you? I don't want to say easy. I say that lightly. Or did you have some challenges along the way in terms of continuing that? Um, so with milk supply, I've been really fortunate and I haven't had any loss. I've been able to pump and store some as well. So that's been really good. But I, on day three of breastfeeding, I got a little tear, a little tear in my nipple, and that was so painful. And I didn't. I was, I was talking to my mum. I'm like, I don't know how to heal it because he has to feed. And so every time I put stuff on it, it's only got so long. But um, my health nurse really helped. She told me to lay down, like feed, like both of us lay down on the bed and feed him that way, and that was really good. It relieved some of the stress and so it healed in probably a few days but I got mastitis and that oh I must say that could that comes close to pregnancy like birthing that was painful and I ended up um having a fever and it was terrible but I didn't go into hospital I stayed home and my sister came over and she actually she would play with Spence all day and then bring him in when he needed to feed. And so I was so fortunate to have her because I remember the fever was terrible and just feeling really yucky, but it only lasted probably three days before I was like, no, I'm all good. I'm okay. And um, I just made sure to be more aware because my mom always said, just make sure you check because it's really common at the start. Mm. And I had been checking, just not as good as I thought I had and it had crept in. <laughs> Mm, oh, there's a message to everybody. Make sure you're checking. <laughs> and, yeah, no, horrific. That sounds like it must. Yeah, I I can't imagine. It doesn't sound very very pleasant at all. But glad that it only lasted a few days and that you did have support. I think a key theme here is the support system for everything. It just makes such a big difference, doesn't it? When you've got people at least um like giving you the education on how to go about everything and those other people like your sister who can be there for the more practical hands-on, like how you're actually going to get through this time kind of stuff. Um, and, and what was the actual recovery from birth like? So you had a tear which needed to be repaired with some stitches and like how did you go, I suppose, just generally? When were you discharged from hospital? Did you need to stay in for any reasons? And when did you – you just tell me, how was the recovery? <laughs> um, so I think it was pretty good. I didn't – I really – all I wanted to do was come home. Josh and mum were like, stay there for as long as you want. Like you've got people coming in and everything, but I knew I'd feel better at home. 
But um, I was, it was funny. I was the only person in hospital with a baby, the only one in the, in the midwifery section. They had been swamped the week before. Mm-hmm. And so the midwives, so honestly, <laughs> it was amazing. They came in and we just have a chat. They just keep me company. And they'd, if Spence was just crying, they'd come in and be like, we can take him. It's okay. And they'd take him for mm-hmm. a walk. And it was like having nannies, just everyone yeah. came in. Um, but it was really, really good. I, my cousin, I had, so there were four of us in the year that had had babies and I was the last. And so my cousin Ebony had made me like this massive gift pack and it was incredible. And um, so with the stitches, I think it's got a perineal flush washer. Couldn't recommend more just to have one on hand just in case because you never know what's going to happen. That was a lifesaver. And then just, I suppose my mom, she she was like my, I suppose, home midwife almost. She She's had four of us and she just had all this knowledge and was like, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. And it just helped me so much with, I suppose, my healing process. And the biggest thing was getting outside and going for a walk, even if I didn't want to, the sunshine and just moving my body. Probably, I reckon I went for my first walk maybe three, five days after giving birth. I just had to get, even just like being outside in the sunshine with Spence, that just helped a Mm. lot. Makes such a big difference, doesn't it? Just mentally and physically and emotionally, I'm sure when you just do get in movement, fresh air, like you said, I think that's, that's awesome. That's, and that's so positive, like that you've got so many beautiful people around you. I'm so happy to hear that. It just makes such a big difference. Um, thinking over like your whole birth journey, like, would you do things differently if you were to have a second child? I would definitely be sending you a message (laughs) with my second. (laughs) Um, But not overly. No, I don't think so. Um, Yeah. No, I was pretty happy with everything. I'd just, yes, message you and be like, help me, please. (laughs) Oh, bless you. You're so so sweet. Um, No, but that's great. That sounds like it was overall really positive for you then, like especially in terms of that actual birth. Like it's really lovely that you did have that idea of almost like that movie style birth in your head. And I feel like you got that. I feel like you got that (laughs) if you were you were out, you were on a double date, you had your waters breaking, like all of that stuff that all still happened to you. And then you did get to experience that physiological birth without really the pain medications or anything. And while it must have been really, really challenging at the time, obviously no one's ever going to say giving birth is easy, but you did it. And that must feel like such a sense of accomplishment now. And, um, yeah, I suppose just it, it it just must be nice to look back and and know that you did get to have that journey. Yeah, how do you feel? Yeah, no, definitely you've summed it up all really well. Like looking at Spence <laughs> now, and I remember like you go over the pictures because they just grow so quickly, and you think they've always been this small, but they've actually been smaller, and it's just amazing to watch him grow. Oh, gorgeous. Would what would you say just to everybody listening? Like, what are your biggest takeaways from your whole experience from pregnancy and from your birth? Like, I know you just told us before, like about your best tips to somebody else going through gestational diabetes specifically. But what about for your whole experience? Like, what would you say to all of our listeners? Um, I would say find your support team if you can mm-hmm. find the best support possible and educate yourself in as much as possible in a good limit I suppose I'm um, finding the right sources but and having your birth plan all set up for all the possibilities because then I feel like when you go in as long as your support team knows what you want like you've got someone to advocate for you in that really really vulnerable time and mm-hmm. that just makes the world a difference absolutely couldn't agree more having a support team is just such a powerful thing so make sure you've got people around you for whatever you need that support in and be as informed and educated and as empowered going into things as you can be I think that's perfect advice I love that but we can we can wrap up here thank you so much for sharing I've loved listening to your story um but yeah thank you so much can't thank you enough for being so generous and sharing your whole journey. It was so good to chat. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Like I said at the start of this episode, if you would like to hear more about what happens in the postpartum phase, because that's when I actually worked with Alana, 
please let me know. So you can contact me on Instagram. I am at nutrition.by.helena. Go follow me there anyway, because I share lots of things about gestational diabetes. So if you're not already following me, I think that you will like following me. Um, And then, yeah, you can visit my, uh, what am I trying to say? You can email me as well. Hello at nutritionbyhelena.com. And I do have a website page, which is www.nutritionbyhelena.com. So all pretty simple. They're the best ways to get in touch with me. But I'd also love your feedback on this episode and the podcast in general and special favor. Okay, so I'm really excited because the podcast is going really, really well, much better than I ever expected. And I get so many beautiful DMs from you, which I'm so grateful for. I've Yeah, I, I love you all to be. It's like you're all such sweet people and amazing women. Um, And I've got a favor. If you've ever sent me a DM saying something nice about the podcast, I would appreciate it so, so much. If you could go and just copy and paste literally what you've written there um, and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening, or on Spotify, you can only do a five-star review, but that is still amazing. Um, Or I think that I will leave a link to my Google Reviews page as well, because that helps so, so much when if people are searching for information and support and things like that on Google. It really helps my page to come up in their search, which I know would just help so many other people who are looking for resources and feeling really alone if they're struggling with gestational diabetes. So I would appreciate it. I know that other people would really appreciate it too, being able to read about your experience with me, whether that's, you know, that we've worked together one-on-one or whether you've just been listening to me or following me, however we've crossed paths. Um, it would be so, so nice. I would, yeah, I'd, like I said, I'd appreciate it so much and I appreciate all of you so much. You're all fantastic. So thank you for listening. Thanks for being here and have a great day. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.